0: What is going on guys, my name is Mac, across from me, virtually, electronically, or whatever, whatever you want to call this day and age, is lifelong friend, basketball connoisseur Garrett Howell, and we are the two-man team of Press Breaker this week. We are doing everything online over Discord, so we have no producer in Quinn Eden, but still, shout out to him, obviously, owner of all you need to know, and... Yeah, this is the Press Breaker podcast, man. And it's over, Gert. The season's over already, just like that.
1: We we really did get started a little late with the pod here, but I mean, we did start at the hottest time of the season. Playoff time, finals time. We we got to really get going and it's it it's ended after 2 weeks. It's over. That's the season true. has come to an end.
0: But we- don't go anywhere, guys. We're going to have banger content coming out for you guys over the off season. We have big plans made for that. Uh, stay tuned shortly, or stay tuned within the next few weeks, and uh, you'll be able to see that. And within the next couple of weeks, we're going to start having guests on uh, because of our plan of what we do for the off season. So it's going to be a really fun time, guys. Uh, make sure to follow us wherever, and I uh, hope you guys do enjoy the show. So anyway, Gert... Here we are, man. What what has happened? What has happened that me and you didn't really want to happen?
1: The Bucks got the win and they did it in a pretty dominant fashion. Like obviously they went down two oh early, but they really showed the their true colors as a team, how they're coached, how they play, and they dominated pretty much every side of the ball. Like, the games are close, but you always felt Milwaukee was in control if you really sat and watched the games. At least that's what I thought going through yeah. those last three or four games.
0: I agree, except I believe it was game five. No, yeah, I think it was game five that uh, Phoenix had a 32-16 to lead with, like, two minutes left in the first quarter. Might have been Game Four. I'm not sure. One of those games. It's already such a blur. It feels like it's been forever ago already. Since Game Four and Five. It was
1: not Game Four. Well, it then it was on. Game Five. It was Game Five. Yep. Because yeah. at the end of the first quarter, the Suns were up 37-21. Yeah. Game five. See,
0: Game Five. That game came down to 123 to 119. Bucks only won by four. And I mean, even in Game Four, the Bucks only won by six. But yeah, like you said, you just felt it. Yeah, the Bucks were in control. They just wanted it more, and they were more of a well-oiled machine than Phoenix, which is really sad to say, and it's really tough to see because all through this postseason, the Suns were clicking on all cylinders, firing on all cylinders, just absolute great play on both sides of the ball from you know all of their players. You know, Jay Crowder really did it well. Obviously, the big three the three headed monster in Booker Ayton and c p three they did well, but even when you get down to campaign and you know Mikael bridges, they played really well on both sides of the ball most of the time and <clears throat> I don't think it's i don't think it's a case of Milwaukee running away with it or whatever, or you know just. Phoenix losing the game. I think Milwaukee just genuinely won the games. Like, Phoenix played great most of the time. The only time they didn't play great, really, was when, uh, was in game four, I believe, when Devin Booker had, I think, 41 or 42 points. And the rest of the starters, I don't even think, matched that.
1: Uh, yeah, so Devin Booker did have 42 in game four, and then you go down the list, Jay Crowder was the 2nd leading scorer. In the starting lineup and on the team. He had 15. Uh, Mikael had 7. DeAndre Ayton had 6. Chris Paul had 10. Like, nobody else contributed to the 42 mm-hmm. Like that, that Devin Booker put in. Devin mm-hmm. Booker shot well. Didn't force any threes. Like, he played a very efficient, very good game. But it didn't matter because nobody else delivered on the offensive yeah. side of the ball. Like, he needed yeah. them to. Which
0: goes back to what we like, talked about in either week 1 or week 2. I can't remember but we said that Phoenix was gonna have to, everybody was gonna have to contribute. They couldn't play this game of one person carrying and the rest of the team kinda dozing off. They needed to work as a cohesive unit, which they did in most games, but game four, man, when you lose by six to a Storming Bucks, who at that point, that was kinda the turning point in them winning four in a row. You just gotta, like, you gotta think if DeAndre Ayton had more than six points, or if Chris Paul had better than a minus 10, plus minus, you got to think that maybe Phoenix would be celebrating right now instead of Milwaukee.
1: That that was really a turning point for me, too, is when Milwaukee tied it, I in my head, I thought, this is this is pretty much it. Because like, like you said, and we talked about, Phoenix had to play perfect almost every time because Milwaukee is a team that does not. Milwaukee has so much... Uh, Effectiveness on both sides of the ball compared to Phoenix, that they didn't have to play perfect. Perfect, like Drew Hall, they had multiple games where he missed ten, fifteen shots, and so did Chris Milton, but it didn't matter because they played so well defensively that they could make up for their misses by making Phoenix miss. Yeah. So that, it just put Phoenix, it put Phoenix in such a tough spot to have to play perfect each game and have an opponent that doesn't. Like that is such a mountain to overcome.
0: Yeah, I agree, and. Milwaukee, sort of a revenge series in a way, because if you rewind the clock, and I'm, I'm bringing them up again, but in 2019, if uh, if you remember, the Raptors went down 0-2 to the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe, and then came back and won four in a row. So it's kind of just cool to see the tables turn and see Milwaukee go down 2-0 and know they've been on the other side of that before. And so they know that it is doable, and it is doable by the champions because in 2019, the Raptors obviously won the championship. Shout out to the Six. But the Bucks turn it around on the grandest stage of them all, and they just really put their head down, and Giannis showed who he is. And he showed that he doesn't need a bag to get a ring.
1: He does not. He doesn't need a super team. He doesn't need anything special. He he was an old fashioned build the dynasty up and hope for the best. And And, you know, I was gonna I was gonna say something about how the Suns didn't play well all at the same time, but looking at Game Six or Game Five, they did. It was enough. Like uh, Aiton had twenty, Chris Paul had twenty one, and Booker had forty in Game Five, and they still lost.
0: Yeah, but you gotta look. You gotta look at the other side. Chris Middleton at twenty nine, Drew Holiday had 27, at twenty seven, and 27. Giannis
1: Antetokounmpo had thirty two. Yeah, I was I was gonna try and contribute. The Suns not playing good to them losing, but like they did, it yep. didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like I just look at the Bucks roster up and down over and over again, think about how they play and how they control the game. I just I don't know why, even though I don't like them, I don't know why I would pick against them. It, it doesn't make any I sense. I tell you what,
0: dude before we went into this, I was not a Giannis guy whatsoever, but he has earned my respect in every single way. He is a winner, and he knows how to win, and he knows how to play the game of basketball. Yeah, his game might be one-dimensional, but holy poop, he does it good. He does it well. He's. I mean, he's accomplished everything. Yeah, he's, he's his resume at 26 is nuts. It's, it's absolutely nuts, and I mean, shout out to Giannis, man. He's... Yeah, I mean, he is a real player, and honestly, I think here in 20 years, 30 years, when we're old and gray, we're going to look back, and we're going to really appreciate what Giannis did to that Milwaukee franchise.
1: Yeah, you have to respect it now, because like like you said, we may not love his game, but he plays his game perfectly. Oh, yeah. He knows, exact, he knows exactly what he does well, and he does it to a T. And he's so humble, dude.
0: God, he's such a he nice is such- guy.
1: Doesn't it make it worse, too. Yeah, you, yeah, don't wanna, yeah. you don't want to yeah. like the guy, but he is so nice.
0: Yeah, it's
1: like it's like dang. And dude. he he came from nothing. He built himself up in the best Never way possible. Never had a smoothie. Not, just, not even yeah, not even just NBA built up. But like he as a person, he came from absolutely nothing and just has made a, a way for himself and his family that is like so commendable. Yeah, and it just it sucks that I don't want to like him, but you like you want to.
0: I'm like, done not liking oh, no. him, bro. He has made me a believer. He's that 50-point closeout game. What? What did he have? 50 points, 15 rebounds, and five steals. Yeah. Like it, it is oh one of the most impressive goodness. closeouts
1: we'll ever see, too. Like, to cap not...
0: off a four-game win streak in the finals is just, it's absolutely nuts.
1: It is. It is, and nobody like he carried hard too. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was so impressive. How he like yeah. won that game for them essentially. Like everything he did was so great. There there wasn't one bad bad thing that he did. That yeah,
0: time. and I, and like obviously great performance on his part, and you know nobody else really needed to even do anything. It it just goes to show you how well they played or how well Giannis kind of carried that team, because everybody else, everybody in the starting lineup had a plus-minus of at least nine. Pat Connaughton, on the other hand, had a minus of 21. That's kind of tough, but everybody on on the starting lineup had such a good plus-minus. That unit, that starting five, just worked extremely well from tip-off to the final buzzer. And, you know, I don't want to discredit the Suns because they played a good game, too. And, you know, Devin Booker had some unfortunate calls go against him some were warranted this whole series was just kind of wishy-washy on officiating but overall i don't think i don't think any games were decided on the officials
1: there are games decided on the officials what was the game saturday game was the game that had like the real controversial call right what was uh, it uh, was I... that game four where uh he was hugging Andrew drew holiday what game was that, four? Oh,
0: I have no clue, dude. I can't remember. So long ago. But right. but Devin Booker, while you're thinking of that, if you want to think about it, Devin Booker with okay. a minus 15, and I know I'm being a big plus-minus guy right it's now. Plus-minus guy right now. Uh, but, like, minus 15 and Mikael Bridges minus 18. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a wishy-washy stat, but at the end of the day, while Mikael Bridges was on the floor – He's he's supposed to be their defender. You know what I mean? Like he is supposed to be their defensive anchor, not in a not in an anchor sense, as in the paint, because that would be DeAndre Ayton. But their mm-hmm. their defensive, I guess, I don't even know what what to use, because powerhouse isn't the right word either. But
1: prowess, yeah,
0: that sure. Uh, the defensive prowess of Phoenix, and he got outscored by eighteen. Yeah, I feel like as a. Person that wiggled their way into the starting lineup based on your defense, you can't really be doing that.
1: Yeah, they also didn't have Phoenix, just didn't have any role player presence really at all in game six. Yeah, you see, like
0: campaign had 10, Cam Johnson had three. Tory Craig only played 48 seconds, dude. Why did Tory Craig not get playing time? I don't get it.
1: Yeah, I know that he hasn't been like a big part of the rotation, but I feel like it's like when you have players like Johnson, Chris Milton, you want to throw every small forward you have at them if they have any defensive background and hope for the best. Yeah. So I don't know why Monty Williams didn't like. You see, they lost to a seven, so Why wouldn't Monty Williams say, "Oh, maybe if I throw Torrey Craig and he can get some good defensive stops here"? Like, yeah. if you're in a position where you're losing, why not try anything at that point? Like mm-hmm. that's that's where I kind of get lost in that one. It's because like yeah. you have nothing. You have nothing to lose at that point. Like throw
0: it out I agree I mean nothing really else to talk about when it comes to game 6 I mean it was really just the Giannis show in all honesty Um, but an interesting stat I saw that I want to bring to you and I just want to ask you just give me a this or that answer you know what I mean Just did you like Chris Middleton's performance in the finals this year or Jimmy Butler's performance in the finals last year more
1: let me let me turn back my my clock here for a second. And try to remember.
0: Okay, because uh, let me just stop you. What I'm getting at is, <clears throat> I forgot which uh which analyst said it. It was one of the big like ten or whatever, you know, ones that have some credibility behind them. They were basically spitting at Chris Middleton when somebody compared him to Jimmy Butler. They said Jimmy Butler is a dog or whatever. That's kind of the nickname he's got these this, these days. He's a dog. But uh I saw an interesting stat and it was I think Jimmy Butler averaged like 25 5 and 4 in the finals last year. And the interesting thing I saw that is he was number one option, like no doubt. You know what I mean? Like he is the pl- he right. was the player on that team. You had a developing Bam, who obviously put in good minutes, and you had a developing Tyler Hero, who didn't do absolute anything after the finals. Uh, Yeah, he's been awesome. I hope he turns up for his third year, though, to be honest. I really hope he does. But you have a guy like Jimmy Butler, who was the standout number one option on that team, on a finals team, and you have Chris Middleton, who, in our eyes, should be the first option, but after Giannis' takeover in the finals, it is Giannis' team, I will say that. But uh, Chris Middleton's second option, he averages, I think, 26. So a point more, he averaged a point more than Jimmy Butler, a rebound more, and an assist less. And that just goes to show how good Chris Middleton is. Like, Chris Middleton yeah, is that guy.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say that, like when you're talking about it, Jimmy Butler would have averaged the exact same as Chris Milton as the second option. Like Jimmy Butler's not going to give them any more or any less. You know what I'm saying? Like Jimmy Butler is not Giannis. No. So to me, him and Chris Milton are much more comparable. So I think that for that and that whoever it was, like spit at that, like it blows my mind because Chris Milton does the exact same thing. And really has more of a pop to his game. Like he can give you more more often than Jimmy, because he can shoot better. Like, I would feel more comfortable with the ball in Chris Middleton's hands situations than Jimmy Butler's. So, I don't know what the... I guess I just don't understand what the shot was for. Like, it doesn't really make any sense to me. Especially after watching Chris Middleton this series. Like, who can doubt somebody that three points one night and 29 the next? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I don't get it.
0: I agree. I just... It was something crazy I saw on Instagram earlier, so I figured I'd bring it to the show. Um... But I'm I'm going to say it again, Gert. I'm going to say it again. Bobby Portis, man. He, went, oh, he played well. He went from getting no minutes at the start of this finals. And then if I'm not mistaken, I think it was game three. Hang on, let me pull it up. Game three, he had.
1: Oh, where is it? He, he had a had... solid 11 in game three, I think.
0: Well, one game, he had, like, a double-double in only, like, 12 minutes or 13 minutes or something like that. Something crazy. That was was the first game that uh, Mike Budenholzer gave him a shot. And then ever since then, he had good minutes in the finals, and he really did contribute. Like, the guy is a bona fide stud. And I talked about it in, I think it was the first episode, $3.5 million a year for Bobby Portis, if I'm not mistaken. To get double doubles in the finals, like that is nuts. Like, dare I say it? Bobby Portis might have been the X factor.
1: He was because I mean, in game set in games almost like game seven, game six, he I think he was the second leading scorer behind Giannis. He had sixteen off the bench that night. Sixteen he off played... the bench and I
0: believe eleven rebounds. Right? No, oh, wait. I'm whoa, not whoa, sure whoa, about whoa, the rebounds. He only had three rebounds. Okay, I'm I'm trolling.
1: Yeah. Uh, but I mean, he was very pivotal for them to win that game. Like he played, yeah. like obviously, mm-hmm. you, he played good minutes anyways. But that game six was so important for him. Mm-hmm. Like he established, for me, established himself as somebody they want to keep for the long run. Like for a repeat, for a repeat, that's who would, they would want back. I think, like, because mm-hmm. he can plug in a PJ Tucker spot. Like, imagine yeah. they play a bigger lineup with Bobby Forrest at the five. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I, four, I, I, I think because Brooke Lopez is at the five. But But I get what you I mean. For
1: both I, started. I forgot for started. I started. Sheesh.
0: Yeah. But anyway, that's a good that's a good point you bring up. Uh you said if they want to run it back. Let's talk about it, man. Two things or nah, I'm not gonna put a cap on the things. Things you would do to get back to the finals if you were Milwaukee or Phoenix. I'll start with Phoenix. And in my personal opinion, you just got to run it back. You have to run it back with this exact same team and see if you can do it again. And I say that because you have Cam Johnson, who is extremely young. You have Cam Payne, who is not extremely young, but I think this was a real eye-opener for him this season to figure out that he is an actual role and an actual piece on a championship contending team and you plug Tory Craig in a little bit, maybe get a better uh maybe get a better defensive player than him, maybe like a defensive big man. uh, to back up DeAndre Ayton when DeAndre Ayton comes out so you're not missing that rim protecting. But I think you run it back with this team, maybe pick up a bench piece. You don't need any spark plugs. You've got the scoring on the bench in campaign and Cam Johnson. So you've got that covered. I think you just get a defensive big man piece, and you run it back and see if you can do it again.
1: I like that. And uh, here's something to think about, too, because I read a couple of tweets on this. Apparently, the Jazz are looking to shop Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich. So imagine the Suns could get one of those guys for their bench. Trade court, Torrey Craig, couple picks. I mean, mm. if you plug somebody, plug one of those two dudes up, in, up,
0: but I mean, the money might
1: know. not match up. I mean, just... Hypothetically, though, yeah. if you can plug in somebody similar to those two, especially Joe Ingles, very good defender.
0: Yeah, and, and he can also and a knock down any three you give him.
1: And he can bring up the ball, too. Like Joe Ingles is a very, very solid six-man guy off the bench Yeah, guy. like He he is a perfect fit for nice the Suns, Nice 20-minute-a-game
0: player. Get you 12, 13, you know.
1: Makes them deeper, too. Like, yeah. gives them a little more... Mm-hmm.
0: Gives them depth, for sure. I agree.
1: Because, like, obviously, Monty Williams and the Suns did not trust Torrey Craig. That's why he played, like, two or three minutes in the last two or three games. Like, he wasn't somebody they felt comfortable with on the floor. So, obviously, yeah. they'll be looking to fill that hole. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I agree with everything else you said. I think they're pretty set. They they pretty much just need to run it back. And if for some reason they lose Chris Paul, they've got to somehow find somebody to match that production. I don't I know don't who sure. it is. I don't think you have to me. worry
0: about Chris Paul leaving. I think he's there. Either. I think he is there. He's there. You for never know, though. NBA,
1: NBA is pretty wild. That but is true. Let's uh, let's get into the Bucks too. What I think they need to do. Yeah, go for and it. Now I really think it's the same concept. Keep it. Keep what you got. Run it back. Now I think uh, at this point, PJ Tucker is expendable for somebody younger and similar. I don't know. I'm, like trying to think, I don't know who that would be. But he is getting older. Like, and there's somebody that can fill that void probably a little mm-hmm. better. Like faster, more athletic, maybe is a little more trustworthy to score. Not shoot, but just to score and get a bucket in general. Um, yeah. I still can't think. Maybe like,
0: someone like a Thomas Bryant.
1: Yeah. Um, or uh, I don't know how. A Jonathan Isaac comes to mind. Real solid defender, rebounder. That's a lot of value, though. Magic put a lot of value That is a lot of value. Out. Uh, yeah, I was thinking maybe someone like
0: Jakub Pertl as well. Jakub Pertl would be a great fit for the Bucks. hmm mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. maybe someone like Laurie Markkinen, considering his stock is plummeting, maybe. And they, throw, that might
1: be a good, maybe somebody they try to get to replace Brook Lopez is somebody like Laurie Markkinen, very similar style of play. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think you even worry asset.
0: about Brook Lopez right now. He played oh, his either. game to perfection in that finals. I think you he give him another well. season. Or, or maybe you trade them while the stock's high. Championship-winning starting center, we saw it with Tristan Thompson. He got an absolute bag, and he got put on the Celtics. I believe was the team after the Cavs, right? He's still there, isn't he? Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's um, on Celtics right
0: now. I mean, the Cavs shipped him to Boston, and you know the value was high there. Um. Yep. But I think. You've got to have more people playing minutes on Milwaukee. You know, I'm looking at the depth chart right now, and Axel Tupain, Bryn Forbes, Elijah Bryant, Justin Jackson. Hey, you know who they
1: missed? Who's that? DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo.
0: Yeah, that's true. Because I, a for, I forgot about him
1: until right now. He would have probably played 15, 20 minutes in the finals every game. Yeah. And given them a solid 10 points. Yeah, that's true. So they, so think about that, the Bucs just – not manhandled the Suns, but really controlled the Suns without one of their solid bench players the whole time. Like,
0: yeah, that's true. But Pat Connaughton stepped up in a big way.
1: He did. He played in, really in well in most
0: games. Uh, really, Game Six was the only one that he didn't. But to be fair, he grabbed eight boards there too. Yeah. To be fair, he only shot four times. Didn't make a single shot. So. He he was probably just like, you know, let Giannis win this game for us because he's absolutely going ballistic. Um, and another topic we didn't really get into, uh, we're kind of past it, but Giannis, 17 of 19 from the free throw line. Real quick, I just want to touch on that. That's huge. That is absolutely huge. Think about it. He shot before this game, he shot 52% from the free throw line at home. Uh... I don't know. I don't know if those stats translate, but through game 3 he was shooting 52% from the free throw line uh at home. Shout out to uh through the yeah. wire for that stat. I was listening to that today. But you got to think if he was only making 55 or 60% of his free throws, that 17 of 19 turns into like 8 of 19 and those points might give Phoenix the win.
1: And we might be going to a game 7 today or whenever it would be. But it's just, yeah, it's just crazy how how uh,
0: efficient he was from the free throw line because you don't usually get that from Giannis, like, at all.
1: I think that's what, like, really started made, like to make me pay attention, like, respect what he was doing because he, like, for the first three or four games, I think he was, yeah, like you said, 50%, and he really, like, decided, okay, like, somebody got into his head, like, you need to make these free throws or we are not going this series. And he did. He stepped up, he got to the line, and he made his shots. And that's mm-hmm. all you need. That's what you need from your stars. Like, the way the NBA is now, you know they're going to get fouled five to ten times a game, and they need to make their free throws. Or it is a wasted. It is literally a waste of possession. Like, yeah. we talked about in the first episode how Giannis can waste possessions. But it really, like, as many times as he has a free throw possession, that was the biggest, mm-hmm. like, what if. Is if Giannis misses these free throws, Phoenix probably wins these games. And we might be having a game seven tonight if he yeah. had missed those misses, me missed more free throws like he had been. Mm-hmm. Like he really, he really stepped up and made an effort, a very good effort, obviously, to make sure to hit those free throws so they could win those games. Like it was such a, such a star move, really, to like show that hey, I'm gonna put you guys on my back and hit everything and make everything that I can to make sure that we win these games. Like he was going as far as he could to make sure that they won that championship, and it worked out. Yeah.
0: So. Um Yeah, but uh I think that, you know, overall, Milwaukee good team, great team. Are you ready? Yeah. What are you saying there? Uh I was I was going to say <laughs> I was going to say that uh I think their team, you know, you touched on it well. You just got to run it back, you know. Mike Budenholzer no longer on the hot seat because he's a championship winning coach, and I think uh, Milwaukee's just really feeling their front office and they're really feeling the coaching system and they're really feeling their players right now. And I think at the end of the day, that's all you can really ask for.
1: They're feeling it. You think? You think yeah. they're feeling it?
0: I think they're feeling it. Well, Mac, it. are
1: you are you feeling it? Because um, it is time?
0: <laughs> I'm feeling it, it bro. Is is ti- it, time? it is
1: time. It is time to get into. This week's "Are You Feeling It?" questions, and I think I've got a couple of good ones for you. I think you're gonna like.
0: Okay. 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 Okay.
1: Okay. Whoa! whoa. Technical difficulty there, huh? All right, Garrett. Hit me with the first one. I'm hitting, I'm ready. Are you feeling a Bucks repeat or a new champion?
0: Ooh. Hmm. I'm. Oh dude, hang on. Let me Let me dive into this. I'm feeling the Bucks winning the East for the next probably 3 or 4 years. I talked about it in a group chat last night. Um Giannis is only getting better. Chris Middleton mm-hmm. I think is only getting better. That whole team is just only getting better. And now that Giannis has finally realized the dream and he knows how to get there, I I think it's over for the East for the next three or four years. Now, that's not to say they might get beat by the Western Conference team that makes it to the finals. Mm -hmm. Because, to be honest with you, I don't think the Suns were the strongest team this year. And they made it there and took two games off of them.
1: They weren't. They weren't the strongest team by any means. Uh, I mean, the Lakers were battled injuries. Nuggets battled injuries. Clippers battled injuries. Clippers battled injuries. Like... Phoenix was not the strongest team. Now I'm happy they made it. Oh, yeah. we got a team in the finals, but they, yeah, I agree, they're not the strongest team.
0: Also, legendary to sweep the uh, MVP in the playoffs in Jokic. I figured Jokic was gonna yeah. get hard carry at least one win.
1: Yeah, you. That's what I thought too. I did not think. I really thought the Nuggets would even grab two. Like the Nuggets still have a solid roster without Jamal Murray. I thought they could grab two. Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: But, but so yes,
1: yeah, so you think?
0: I'm feeling. I'm feeling the Bucks. Uh, you know what? I'll say it. I'm feeling the repeat. I think they have a potential to go to the finals three or four years in a row, as long as they keep their as long as they keep their team intact. I think this I'm team right on the depth chart is the strongest team in the East by a landslide.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think they're going to control the East for the next few years. I think Bucks repeat. That's definitely what I'm feeling. I think the Nets have got to figure something out. Nets have, gotta yeah. Nets have got to stay healthy.
0: Nets have got to stay healthy, and KD has to learn to lead a team to the finals, man. Think about it. He has not been so low and ever led a team to the finals like Giannis has. And, mm-hmm. like, I'm I'm like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Giannis is a better player than KD, like, in the all-time rankings, because he's not. KD is one of the world's greatest. He's one of the game's greatest we've ever seen. But KD had James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And then he had Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Now that he has other... Chase
1: Hardy
0: he's got other supporting cast members, though. It's three supporting cast members. Will they be able to get it done? I don't know. That's why I think the Bucks are going to run the Nets for the next few years. I agree. But let me let me get your next one. Let me... Let me see. Oh, yeah, I was
1: about to, I'm, I'm about to roll into this section. This is the last are you feeling it for the day. I think this is something I really think you'll like here. Are you feeling a build through the draft or are you feeling a build through free agency? So are you feeling like, build, like a Bucks type build, build through the draft, build your young players up and sign one or two pieces or just all out Nets build, sign everybody you can and hope for the best?
0: Hmm. That's a tough one. That's a very, very, very tough one. And I say that because, obviously, you have the dynasties, like Golden State, who drafted, if I'm not mistaken, drafted Steph, Clay, Draymond, and did they? No, never mind. Just
1: those three. Yes. No, they drafted Harrison Barnes and Festus Cazili. Harrison Zizili
0: Barnes too. and Festus Ezeli, True, true, true. Yeah. They drafted a
1: the whole starting lineup.
0: So when you look at that, it's hard to bet against that. But then you look at, like, the Miami Heat, who signed D. Wade. Uh, Well, they didn't. They signed D. Wade to that absolute bag when he thought about leaving. So I guess you can mm-hmm. kind of count that as a free agency grab. But they signed D. Wade. They signed LeBron and Chris Bosh, which ultimately made D. Wade want to stay, right? So Yeah, they they all
1: talked about what they were doing, and they all decided yeah. that that's where they're going to end up.
0: I, I honestly think it's whatever you want to do. I think it's – personally, if I was a GM, I like drafting. Because there's nothing like having a small market team that's really bad – stack a couple of those tank years together and get you pieces like John Collins and Trey Young. And then it's an absolute electric atmosphere when they make a playoffs run. Like, when the season started, nobody expected Atlanta to be where they got. Uh-oh. And that's because their draft pieces developed. Now, yes, they did pick up Clint Capella, and they did pick up uh, Bogey.
1: And Gallinari, too.
0: And Gallinari. Gallinari's huge. Cannot forget him. But there's just nothing that beats that feeling, I've got to imagine. You know, if you're... Who's the Hawks coach? Uh, Nate McMillan, right?
1: The Once they fired Lloyd, that's when I knew the Hawks were on the up and up. Lloyd yeah, was definitely. never it. They needed somebody that was like an actual good coach. And Nate has been that for a while. Mm-hmm. So once once I saw that, I was like, yeah, the Hawks are yeah, going to be exactly just, where they need to be. I,
0: there's probably no better feeling then being a fan of a bad team, seeing a couple, you know, top five or lottery draft picks really work their way up and develop into good players, and you see the results after a couple of years, hence their Eastern Conference final appearance, which nobody nope. expected because they were the bottom team in the league through the first whatever games the season.
1: Like 30. I mean, a good portion of the season they were low tier
0: yeah so I think at the end of the day, man, I think I'm feeling draft, I think I'm feeling the the slow young build
1: yeah i it's like you said, it's literally what you prefer because both is like both have worked in recent history, like multiple teams there's multiple cases of somebody doing a super team or somebody just building the draft like and I think I'm with you. I would rather build through the draft, accumulate my picks, to get somebody like Giannis or Lillard or Curry to trust me, like as an organization to trust me and prove that I can bring them what they can't, what they need through the draft or through small signings here and there, trades, like that I can build up the roster to help them win. I think that's what's the most important part of it is like mm-hmm. Giannis, Dame. Dame's starting to lose a little bit, I think. But Giannis, Dame, Steph, they were put in positions to trust who was running their front office? Like they knew that yep. they could be put in a position to win. But that also
0: that... that also can be a real big bite in the butt because we saw it in two thousand in the summer of two thousand eighteen with Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors. I know bringing them up again, but they had their trust in Demar, and as far as Demar knew, they were building the team around him. And then boom, you get traded for Kawhi Leonard, and then that team that you helped build and solidify wins a championship the next year. So business aspect of things, things can get really sour if you go the free agency route or the trade route. But, but, you know, I think overall drafting is a much more satisfying way to watch yourself succeed over the years. And that I'll, I'll say that's what I'm feeling.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm feeling as well. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. So uh, thank you guys for listening and tuning in. This episode will drop, what, 8 a.m. tomorrow, right? That's when this comes out. 8
0: a.m. Friday, July 23rd. Yes, sir, 8 a.m. Central.
1: And then hopefully we'll be back in person next Thursday. We'll have to deal with the uh, online, and Quinn, producer, will be back in the studio as well. Might have a good, good, should be a good draft show, I believe. Oh, yeah. Next week.
0: Yeah, I uh, cannot wait. My Toronto Raptors, baby. Fourth pick. Let's get it. Will they make a splash of a trade? Maybe trade They're Kyle better. Lowry in the fourth pick for something huge like Ben Simmons? Ooh, dude, you never know. Yeah, we'll be on un- we'll be unveiling that. We'll be unfolding everything that happens. I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of rumors for us to go through. Probably gonna be rumors that develop as we're doing the show, but I don't wanna get into it too much, guys. Thanks for watching. This has been the Press Breaker podcast. Follow me on the socials at arsonxl on pretty much everything. Uh, Follow Garrett underscore Garrett Howell underscore on Instagram. Follow the Press Breaker Twitter, press underscore breaker. Follow all you need to know, but you guys know that. And uh, stay safe, guys, and I hope you enjoyed the episode.